Let's pray uh, just as we come to God's word. Father, we thank you for the wonderful things that you're doing. Father, we thank you that you are moving through this celebration of hope. Father, we thank you for every leader who who has been uh, instrumental in making it happen. And Father, we pray that they would be so blessed uh, by, by what they're seeing, the fruit of their labor. Father, we thank you that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. Father, that your spirit is at work and that your spirit is doing things. And Father, we just thank you that you are at work in our nation, that you're at work in our lives, that you're at work in our community. And Father, we just long to see more of these things happen. And so, Father, we pray that our faith would be increased. Father, that our expectation would be increased. Father, that we would know uh, just what it is to walk in your plans and purposes, to walk freely and lightly. Father, to walk in obedience to you. And so, Father, as we come to your word today, Lord, we pray Uh, that you would speak to us today, that our hearts would be open to receive what the Spirit would say to us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I was so blessed last week to have Gary Davidson with us. It was just incredible. What a word that he brought to us. Um, And just God spoke into uh, others uh, in the life of the church, uh, even after the service as well. So what a wonderful uh, experience to hear God speaking into the life of the church. And, uh, you know, for many, there was a personal challenge, um, perhaps for some an encouragement. For me, uh, I have to say it was an incredible encouragement uh, to hear God just speak into the life of the church as a whole. And if you listen to anything I say, do you listen to anything I say? (laughs) Don't shake your head. If you listen to anything that I say on a Sunday, you'll have heard an echo that confirms God's word to us. You can listen to the message again on SoundCloud or or on iTunes if if you want to listen to it. And I encourage you to do that. As I listened to that message again this week, I took note of a comment uh, which Gary, a few comments actually, and I just wanted to mention uh, some of them. He said, don't quit on your prayers. And when he said that, my heart skipped a beat. I think it reiterated what God has been saying to us. And he said, never underestimate the time you spend hearing the voice of the Lord. Never underestimate what is achieved in the place of prayer. I also took note of the comment that he made and a question that that he asked, are we taken up with the gifts of the Father or the Father of the gifts? What are we looking for? Are we looking for the signs and wonders or are we looking for God? Because when we find God, we will find the other things. When I moved out of, uh, let me call it secular employment, I moved out of uh, electronics and into Christian work with a Christian youth organization, the thing that God said to me and repeated time and time again as I made that transition was to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And at that point in time, I was thinking about providing for my family. Seek God first and everything else. You know, it's like that as a church. If we seek God, then all the other things that he wants to do will come as part and parcel of that. Gary also stressed the importance of worship in our lives. He talked about the people surrounding the walls of Jericho and how they blew the trumpets. And I don't know if you caught something which he said 
He used this expression. He said, my heart was elevated during the worship. Do you remember when Gary was here four years ago? He talked about elevate. He talked about elevating and leadership and worship and all different areas of church life. And when he said that, I, I was just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that he experienced something as he came and worshipped with us. And I just want to take a minute to encourage those who are involved in the music side of the church, who are worship leaders, musicians, singers, the guys who do the sound, the guys who work the media. And I just wanted to say publicly today to, uh, to, to just say thank you to you. Thank you for keeping turning up, for practicing uh, regularly, for being here at half past nine on a Sunday morning to set up, to tune up, to get the sound right, to practice, and to get our hearts right as well. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I think we should show our appreciation to the musicians, singers, uh, worship leaders, sound guys, and the media guys. Let's just show our appreciation just now to them. And on, on Monday night, uh, as a team, we met to discuss what we're doing. And I, I just got this real sense of togetherness, this sense of we want to experience more in our worship as we meet together. And I was so encouraged uh, by, by that. You know, sometimes when everything's going right, especially with the sound, okay, when everything's going right, nobody notices. So the biggest compliment the sound guys get is when nobody notices. Um, but can I just encourage you to say, that sounded great today. You know, if somebody's led worship, go and say to them, that was wonderful today. You know, not, by the way, you hit a bum note today. Did you notice that? We, we know when we hit a bum note, okay? We don't need to be told, right? We know when we make mistakes, and we don't need to have that pointed out to us. But let's just seek to encourage one another. You know, for those who are involved in leadership in any capacity in the church, if you help at something, if you come, come and give your time, then thank you for the work that you do in the life of the church. It wouldn't be the same without you. Thank you for everyone who comes on a Sunday. Thank you for all the prayers which go up Sunday after Sunday, week after week, day after day. Prayers that go up for you and I in this place. And today, I just want to reflect for a little while on possessing the promises of God it's all good and well to talk about the things that God is saying, but we need to possess that and we need to move into that. We've got to take hold of the thing for which Christ Jesus took a hold of us. We've got to grasp hold of it. It's all good and well praying, and it's all good and well coming here and having a great time on a Sunday, but what is God asking us to do? And Gary touched on that last week. He talked about the strategy, and on one occasion, the strategy was what somebody saw when they were out prayer walking. God showed them homeless people who needed fed. And Gary talked about how this is spiritual warfare. It's about the thing that God shows you in that place of prayer, put, putting that into practice and seeing his kingdom come, his, his purposes uh, being achieved. But what are God's promises for you? What has God promised me? What has he promised us as a church? And I want to start by just considering some of the basics, that God has promised us eternal life. Eternal life. A life that goes beyond just this body and the flesh, this human flesh and bones body, which will one day wear out. 
Your body will wear out. I feel that mine's is really worn out <laughs> these last few days. But our bodies wear out. They have a, a limited time. And the Bible says this in John chapter 3, verses 14 through to 19. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What's he talking about here? There was an occasion in Israel's history as they were 40 years in the wilderness coming out of that uh, place of Egypt, coming out of slavery, coming out of bondage, and they ended up wandering the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they moaned and they groaned and they complained. And that never happens in this church. (laughs) They ended up wandering the desert for 40 years. And at one point in time... They were complaining against Moses, complaining against God, and God sent uh, what the Bible says, fiery snakes, poisonous snakes to come in, and the people were starting to get bitten by the snakes, and Moses cried out to God, what's the solution here? And he says, I want you to make a bronze snake, put it on a pole, stand it up, and anybody who lifts their eyes and looks to that will be healed, physically healed. And the Bible tells us that everyone who looked at that was physically healed healed. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying that just as that that thing was done in the desert all those hundreds of years ago, just as, as that happened, that the Son of Man, that Jesus would be lifted up as well, that he at one point would be lifted up on a cross and that he would become sin for people. And it goes on to say in verse 16, John chapter 3, you know it so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light, capital L, talking about Jesus, has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because of their deeds. God has promised us eternal life. And that eternal life starts the moment you believe in Jesus God has promised us that. It starts now. What about you? What about your family? What else has God been saying into your life? What else has God promised you? What else has God spoken to you and you've taken a note of it and put it in your heart? The Bible is full of promises that we can claim for ourselves. Some of them are are unconditional. Some of them have conditions. The Bible is full of promises. And God wants us to claim those promises. He wants us to walk into those promises, to live in the fullness of those promises. How can this be achieved, though? How can we know that we can have the promises of God? Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 22 says in the New Living Translation. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. 
He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything, everything he has promised. Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you today? Is there a moment in time when you invited God into your life? Have you done that? If you have not done that, can I suggest that that's where you need to start? Because that's where eternal life starts. That's where hope for a future that's beyond our body starts. What has God promised us? He's promised us salvation. If we believe in Jesus, if we trust in him, and if we confess our faith by telling others, then the Bible says that we shall be saved. Read John 1.12 and Romans 10.9. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. Jesus came to find people who were lost. And our community is full of people who are lost. Maybe you've never invited God into your heart and you feel the same way. You feel that you're lost. You know, sometimes I, I kind of think people have this idea that, you know, it's, it's about... Uh, scales, you know, if we do enough good things, then then we'll be okay. And uh, we don't need to worry about this whole kind of eternal life thing, because if if the scale of good things outweighs the scale of bad things, then we'll be okay. Well, that's not what the Bible tells us. It's not about that. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Even when we were dead because of our sin, spiritually dead, Jesus came to make us alive. It goes on to say, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised up with Christ, sorry, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God's kindness to us, his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness has been expressed to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 goes on to say this. I love these words. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, so that no one can boast. Could you imagine that? Being in heaven and boasting that you got there all on your own. I did it my way. A Sinatra experience. What kind of heaven would that be if we were boasting in the fact that we got there in our own steam? I don't want to be in a heaven like that. I want to be in a heaven where I know that everybody's there through the same means, if you like. It's by his grace. But listen to this. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He doesn't save us just to then sit back and say, okay, one day I'll go to heaven and everything will be sorted out. There'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. All the suffering of the world will be gone he doesn't ask us to sit back and wait for that moment, church. He asks us to do the good works which he has prepared 
in advance for us to do. Before he created the world, he had you in mind. He saw you, he formed you, and he had a plan for your life. Not a plan to do your own thing, but a plan to experience God and to experience his presence. A plan for a life that reaches out and touches others. We're not saved because we do good things. We are saved to do good things. We're not saved because we go to church. And we're not saved by anything that we can do. We are saved by God's grace. And the fact that Jesus died on a cross to save us from our sins. I love it though that I am God's workmanship. One of the translations says that we are his masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You might be thinking today, (laughs) if you only knew what went on in my life, you wouldn't be saying that I am God's masterpiece. Let me say that God knows everything that's going on in your life. Every single detail, every thought scares me sometimes. That's why I've got to come back and confess and say, I'm sorry, I've messed up again because God knows every thought every inclination of our heart. But I am his workmanship. You are his workmanship, created, loved by a father, and it is Father's Day. He loves you. He loves you like no other father has ever loved you. For us, it's about sticking to his plan. He's come to give us eternal life. He's promised us eternal life. He's promised us salvation from our sins. He's promised us life in all its fullness. You know, the life that we live here in this earth, sometimes we wonder if we're actually living in fullness because of the things that we see and the things that happen in our lives. The Bible tells us, though, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. And the Bible is so clear in what it teaches. Our enemy is the devil, and he comes to rob us of life. He comes to rob us of peace. He comes to rob us of joy. But Jesus has come in order that we may have a full life. And we need to trust in Jesus if we're ever to possess these promises. You know, to come back to the story of Joshua, I don't know if you've read this recently, Joshua was the leader who took over from Moses. And he was given the task of transitioning the people into the promised land. You know, through uh, various circumstances, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. That generation that came out of Egypt was not allowed to enter the promised land. And they fell and they died in the desert. And God said, there's a new generation rising that will be under Joshua's leadership and you'll possess the land Do you think they just sat back and did nothing and waited for God to do everything for them? They had to listen to what God was saying and they had to be obedient to what God was asking them to do. Joshua faced an impossible task. He stood at the River Jordan. How was he going to get across? Make boats? That's probably what we would do. Or we'd try some kind of special technique for crossing where a stick, if you've watched the survival programs, Ray, uh, Ray Mears and Bear Grylls and all these guys, they'll show how across the river. No, he depended on God and God revealed his power in that situation. And the water was blocked up 
and the people were able to pass across on dry land. And then they camped on the other side. And Joshua said, this is what we're going to do. He heard from God. He heard the strategy from God. And they must have thought he was crazy. We're going to walk around the city and we're going to blow the trumpets and we're going to do that for six days. And we're going to go back to our camp and all these guys are probably looking over the wall and saying, these guys are cuckoo. What are they, who do they think they are? Our fortress Jericho is nothing's going to move it. And Gary talked last week about some people have a Jericho in their lives. Nothing can move it. Well, let me say, the one person who can is God, and he will give you the strategy. Maybe you still face an impossible task. Hold on to God, and he is going to show you how to break through. <coughs> he will show you how to overcome. Because we need to realize that the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. And sometimes we need to stand back and watch him do things. Other times he calls us into the fight and we need to do things as well. The, the thing is we need to invite him in. We need to invite him in. Joshua faced an impossible task. I don't know about you, but as I consider what happens in our community here, I, I look at an impossible task. To win this community for Jesus, I look at an impossible task. But can I just say that I'm encouraged because I believe in a God who's able to achieve the impossible. I believe God is sowing into our hearts the strategy, which is why we pray. <coughs> I'm drying up a wee bit. Um, which is why we're praying, which is why we're praying outside the walls. It's all part of what God has sent us to do. It's part of his strategy, and we believe that we're following him. Joshua faced an impossible task. But through following God's instructions, they broke through. They saw the enemy defeated. We're not fighting against people. That's not what we're about. That's not what the church is about these days. It's not about fighting against people, flesh and blood. Our battle isn't against people. Our battle is a spiritual battle against heavenly forces. And we need God's strength to overcome in that. But just as Joshua faced an impossible task, Jesus faced a seemingly impossible task. How did Jesus break through? How did Jesus succeed? Well, there are a number of things, and we could probably spend days and days talking about this, but I just summarized a few points that I wanted to share that he surrendered to God. Jesus surrendered himself to God. Jesus, who had come from the Father, who knew what it was to be in that relationship with God because he was God himself, he surrendered to his Father. What does it say about God? That his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And Jesus surrendered his will to God's. Sometimes surrendering your will to God might seem a bit crazy. It's like walking around the walls of Jericho. Nothing's ever going to come of this. This is a stupid strategy, this. Remember when Jesus was in the garden, just to illustrate how he surrendered. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, it tells us, Father, this is what he said when he was praying. When he was in, His soul was vexed, his soul was in anguish, so much so that it was affecting him physically sweating drops of blood. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Show me another way. Yet not my will, 
but yours be done. He surrendered fully to God. He surrendered fully to his Father. I wonder, are we ready to fully surrender? Are you fully surrendered? Is my life fully surrendered to God? We also know that Jesus worshipped God and him alone. And we can worship all sorts of things. There's all sorts of things come into our life. Things that take up our time, our energy, things that take up our thinking, sometimes distractions. If you were at uh, the Will Graham celebration of hope last night, he was talking on that very subject, how we use our time. And we have so many things that come into our lives and come before God. But Jesus worshipped God. And that's why it's so important that when we come together corporately that we worship God because something happens in the spiritual dimension when we worship God. God comes and lives in the praise of his people. The people as they walked around Jericho, what did they do? They sounded horns, ram's horns. And as they, on the seventh day, blew the horns and gave a shout, that's when the walls of Jericho came down. There's a dimension of worshiping God and putting God first that we need to continue to grow into. Jesus listened for God's plan. We have our own plans and ideas, but God's plan for our lives is the one that will actually work. And Jesus took time regularly to listen to God, sometimes on the side of a mountain, early in the morning, sometimes all night. And I just wonder, are we hungry for the words of God? God's plan for us is found in the Bible, but also it comes through other people. We discover them in church. We discover them in our small groups. God speaks through other people. He speaks through circumstances. There's many ways that he speaks, but we need to listen to what he's saying. Jesus, fourthly, was obedient to everything that the Father was saying, even to the point of death. Jesus died on a cross out of obedience to his Father. What an incredible thing for you and for I. God loved the world so much. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. And the question I think Jesus asks us today, look at what I've done for you, he says. What are you willing to do for me? Are you trusting God with everything? Is your life surrendered to him? Do you worship God with your whole life? either when we're together as church or when we're separated, when we're in our own quiet time, are we listening to God for his plan for our lives? These are the things that God wants to ask us. How do we take possession of the promises of God? Do you know what? The older I get, the more I realize that it's about doing the simple things well. It's not complicated. We come to Jesus. We trust in him. We allow him to be our savior. We listen to him. We read the word. We allow his Holy Spirit to speak to us through it. And we put it into practice. You know, the old hymn had it right all the time. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. It's really quite simple. How do we possess the promises of God for our lives? We hold on to them. We pray into them. We believe for them. And when God asks us to do something, we do it. 
And when we do it, when we put it into practice, we begin to walk in to the promises of God. We begin to walk in to our Jericho, whatever that is, whatever that is for you. For us as a church, it's this community that God wants us to win. Not that we want to fight with people, but we want to do battle in the spiritual realm so that people are set free. So that people who are bound and captive are set free. So that people who are struggling with addiction are set free. So that the compassion of God is experienced in this community. And I want to say very clearly today that God has spoken into the life of this church and promised so many things. And we need to keep facing the front. Did you ever get that out of school? Roy, face the front. (laughs) I got that so often. In fact, I got that so often that the teacher wanted me to come and sit really close to her down the front on my own. Face the front. Pay attention. Jesus says to us, face the front. Don't look back to the former things. We're still in our 40th year as a church. I rejoice over the things which God has done. The fact that we're here in a building due to the vision of those who went before us those who sowed and put in hard work, sweated, probably physically, to establish the things that we enjoy. But Jesus is saying, face the front. Face the front. Don't look back to those things. Good as they are, you need to face the front. I'm doing a new thing. And I believe God wants us to move away from the maintenance of church life into multiplication I don't know if I'm getting nervous because of your faces, which is making me dry up. (laughs) I'll refrain from making any more comments along that line. Excuse me for holding my my glass here. I'm drying up. To move from maintenance to multiplication. That's what we see in the early church. The early church was added to daily My heart for this place is that people are added to the church at least weekly. Why? Because it brings glory to God and it brings transformation to our community. One heart, one life, one person at a time. And our Prayer Outside the Walls initiative is a vital part of what God is doing. And I believe that God has said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. It's a scripture that has come back to me time and time and time again in the life of this church as I've served in so many capacities and I think this is the time when God says everywhere you set your foot, I'm going to give you. There will come a time in the life of this church where the Lord will demand more of each and every one of us in order to see his kingdom purpose fulfilled. Are you willing to step up? It will cost you more in your time in your energy and your resources. We need to learn to rest. We need to learn to rest well. But we also need to learn to get stuck into the things which God has given us to do. You may need to choose between personal ambition and the kingdom of God. You see, when we say and when we pray, your kingdom come, you will be done. We need to accept that with the answer to that prayer, there comes a commitment on our part also. And I've never been so sure that God has called me 
to lead this congregation into a new season. And he's confirmed this word over and over again. And God puts leadership in the church for a reason. And as a church, we need to follow when leaders lead. And we can appear to be following, but in reality, only dipping in and out of the areas of church life that so happen to suit us. And if you're serving your own agenda, then it will be evident in the fruit and in the fullness of time. God has a purpose for this church. God has a purpose for each and every life that's in this church. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never come to him to that place where you surrender and you say, okay, it's over to you. I want you to come into the driving seat of my life. Maybe you've never even come to that place yet. How do we move into possessing the promises of God? We need to step into these things. We need to position ourselves to receive the promises of God. And I believe that that's what God is doing right now in many lives, in many hearts, and in this fellowship, that God is positioning us to face the front, to be ready for the things that he wants to do. Joshua crossed the Jordan and he was facing Jericho. He was prepared He had the strategy. He was listening to God. He was obedient to what God said. And he persevered in the things of God. And he was consistent in his walk with God and in his leadership. He was also prepared to pay the personal cost of serving the Lord. It costs us to serve Jesus. It costs us emotionally. It can cost us physically sometimes. It costs us spiritually, it costs us financially, it costs us in our time, in our energy, in our efforts. There's a cost to following Jesus. If we want to see his kingdom come and his will being done, I am so blessed to see these things being fulfilled, even at the celebration of hope. God wants to do it here. And just as we finish off today, maybe you've never really fully put your trust in Jesus You may have been in church for many, many years and never fully put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've never taken that step of faith to believe in him. (coughs) And even perhaps maybe as a follower of Jesus, you know there are things that he's asked you to do or to say and so far you've not done them. You've not been obedient to him. You know, today, if you've never put your trust in Jesus whether for the first time to come into his family or as a Christian in some of the things that God is dealing with you in your life. Maybe today is the day that you need to hand something over to God and to trust him. To realize that Jesus died to give you and I eternal life. That Jesus died to save you from your sins and from the punishment that it leads to. Jesus called it hell. Jesus died to save you from the guilt that we can carry, the guilt that you and I can carry. And Jesus died to give us a full life, a satisfying life, and a free life. How do we experience that? No matter where we're at in our relationship with God, this is how we experience it. We first need to confess that God is right. Confession is just simply agreeing with God's assessment of things. How many times have I said that in the life of this church? It's about agreeing with God's assessment over my life. I don't think we need to be told when we're doing something wrong because we instinctively know 
unless we've been doing things wrong so long in our lives that even our consciences have stopped working. But we agree with God's assessment of our lives. We repent, which means to turn around, not to face the back, not to face our sin, to face all the stuff that tempts us, but to face the front and to face God and to say, here I am, I am a sinner. Please come and save me and to invite God into your life and to ask him to help you to live according to his plan. These are the things that we need to do. Sometimes, even as Christians, we need to come back and confess. We need to repent. We need to invite God into areas where we've locked him out of in our lives. We've shut God off from certain places, thinking that he doesn't see. Well, he does see. And when we open that up to him and invite him in, it brings change. We ask him for help to follow his plan. I wonder if we could close our eyes bow our heads just as we finish off this part of the service. The Bible tells us that we've all fallen short of God's standards, so we're all in the same boat today. But I just want to give you an invitation to to come and to put this into practice today. To say a prayer and to invite God in And it's something that we're going to do uh, together as a prayer. We're going to say this out uh, as a prayer together. So we're all going to pray this. But if you pray this prayer today for the first time, and in your heart you feel that God is speaking to you today, and you pray this prayer and you mean it, then I'm going to ask that you respond to what God is saying to you today by just lifting up a hand and let me know that you've responded. I want to pray for you. And we want to help you to find this relationship with Jesus. There are others who I want to challenge today. You are a Christian already. But you're maybe not where you should be as a Christian. And God is asking you to come and to face the front, to face him, to face up to a situation perhaps, to face up to a temptation that is getting on top of you. And I'm going to ask you to respond as well. And I'm going to just ask that everybody keeps their heads bowed and their eyes closed, just so that particularly for the second one, people have the privacy to respond to that. But let's pray this prayer together. I'm going to say a line, just you say it after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. I want him to come into my heart and to take control of my life. I want to trust that Jesus as my savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you have never prayed that prayer before and you prayed it for the first time today and you meant that prayer, then I just want you to indicate that you have done by just lifting up a hand. I want to pray for you personally and come and chat with you personally. 
and just help you on this journey. I just want to wait for a moment while we do that. God is asking you to respond to him in faith this morning. By just sticking up your hand, you're expressing your faith in the thing that you've just prayed this morning. Particularly if you've never done that before. Maybe there are some in here today and you've maybe not just been where God wants you to be. And God is asking you to to take stock and to, to maybe make some adjustments in your life. Maybe to put him in first place again because he's not been in first place. And you're, you're saying to God today that you are fully surrendered to him, to his plans and purposes, and to the things which he wants to accomplish in you and in, this, in the life of this church. And if that's you today, then I ask, just in the privacy of this moment, to just stick up a hand and I'll pray for you as well. Maybe there are others who just want to respond to that invitation today. Father, we thank you for your work in our hearts. Father, we thank you uh, that you have come and that you've equipped us with your Holy Spirit. And Father, for those who have responded today, Father, my prayer is that you would fill them with your Spirit. Father, that they'd be filled to overflowing. Father, that they would indeed come to that place of confession, of repentance, of turning around. And Father, just facing uh, in the right direction again and, and just walking along with you. Father, keeping in step with the Spirit. And so, Father, we ask that you would come and that you meet every individual who's responded today. Father, you know the things which are uh, happening in their lives, the things which are in their hearts. And Father, I pray that they would experience something of your presence today. Father, that they would experience something of your spirit coming into their lives and bringing healing, bringing transformation, bringing hope. Father, bringing the thing which they need in their lives most today. Father, for those who are perhaps struggling with certain temptations, Father, we pray that you would strengthen each one. And Father, help us to remember that there's no temptation which we can face that Jesus... Jesus hasn't already faced himself. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen every individual in every area of temptation. Father, that we might be strong, that we might be courageous, and Father, that we would be filled with your spirit and focused on you. Um, and Father, we pray that the temptations would fall into perspective of, of having Jesus as Lord of our lives. So Father, we just thank you for this day. We give you this day. Father, we pray again for the celebration of hope uh, this afternoon at five o'clock. Lord, we pray that you'd presence yourself in that place, that you'd move by your spirit, and Father, that many more people would respond uh, to what you're saying. Father, we thank you for your work in this place, in this church. We thank you for our 40th year, and Lord, we look to you to do incredible things as we step into the future, as we face the front, as we step, uh, keep in step with the spirit. And Father, as we are obedient to your voice, Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And uh, Father, we pray that you would keep us walking in the strategy which you have for us. Father, we pray that we would not go off in, uh, to side roads and do our own thing. But Father, that we would continue to trust in you. And Father, that we would see you uh, fulfill your kingdom purposes uh, for this fellowship. Lord, we praise you. We give you all the glory. 
And Father, we just ask that you would come and uh, help us in all our areas of weakness. Lord, may our lives be uh, an offering of praise to you. And Father, even as we sing this closing song, as we give of our finances, Father, we pray that it be an exuberant, joyful act of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.